This is Eric Luby, pastor of the church at Ellerslie in Windsor, Colorado. The ministry of Ellerslie endeavors to once again see triumphant Christianity stride upon the stage of time, to see the church of Jesus Christ built strong to stand immovable in these times of sinking sand. We hope this podcast is an encouragement to your soul. If you would like to stream live or visit us in person or even support us financially, please go to ellersley.com to learn more. So it's uh, Mother's Day. I know you know that, but I just wanted to rehearse it for at least the video and the podcast, right? Just, you know, so it's not questioned. And this is more a meditation than a message. I just want to forewarn you on that. I have literally just a couple slides in it. And that's mainly because we wanted to spend our time together today not just hearing the truth preached or spoken, but actually speaking it to each other. And so that's what we're going to transition into, and that's why this is more of a just a short meditation. But... Uh, I think it's, it's a unique weekend that we chose for a father-daughter event, which was on Friday, and which we've been sort of talking about in uh, the church before this message started. And uh, it was very, very special for all of us that participate in it, in it, and it touched us at a very deep level. And I think it reminded us if we needed reminding, because sometimes you think, well, I don't need reminded on how special family is. But there's something about, I I call it the, you know, the the 9-11 effect. When the two towers fell, it's amazing how everyone called home. And it's not because they're their family was in the two towers that collapsed, it's because they weren't, and they were cherishing the fact that they were alive. It's very interesting how certain things can trigger a a preciousness in our understanding of certain people in our life. Now, we then manufacture that with things like Father's Day and Mother's Day, you know, because it's important to do that. And we have holidays, which ironically weren't invented by men. If you want to say it, it's a God idea. They're called holy days. And God created it, even with a Sabbath each week, to remember certain things. And even as he structured the Jewish calendar, he was doing it with a very purposeful, proactive measure to have his people remember things, because we obviously have the potential to forget things. Isn't that a sad statement? That You ever had it where you say things like, I'll never forget this, and then, what, a couple of weeks later, you've already forgotten it? Or I'll think about this every day for the rest of my life, and then, you know, a week later, you've forgotten about it. It's not that you don't remember it, it's that you totally forgot about it. And That is a propensity that we all have, which is why we have to proactively remember, and we have to proactively cherish, we have to proactively be thankful in our hearts, we have to proactively say the words, I love you, we have to proactively cherish the people around us. And, you know, so on a day like Mother's Day, obviously we are geared to remember our mothers, but I I want us to just take that nutshell and not just remember mothers with our life. I want us to just remember how good it is, the life that God has given us. You could focus on the challenges of your life. You could. There's two different sets of glasses you could wear. And you could put on your self-pity glasses, and through those lenses, you could see all the challenges you faced. And you know, then we could have a competition in here of who had, who's had the most. Because I guarantee you, we've had a lot of challenges, composites in this room. 
And some of you are right smack in the middle of a very big challenge, and it's very easy to have those glasses on. But one of the greatest things we have the privilege to do as Christians is to not wear those glasses, to literally for the rest of our life never put them on again because we have a better type of glasses that we have been entrusted in and through the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we can take off the self lenses and we can put on the Christ lenses. And they color everything around us and they show a beautiful side, a beautiful shade to every event that takes place in our life, even the challenging ones. But they also illuminate those in our life that have invested in us so that we can see that and cherish it and appreciate it. Instead of seeing their flaws, we can see the beautiful aspects of their life. So I have a lot going on in this one week. We had the father-daughter uh, thing this Friday. We had uh, Mother's Day today, and this next week I'm going to be in Michigan, and it's my father's memorial. And so you just sort of see all these different things. It's sort of the theme of my week, so I guess you guys get drug into it, whether you like it or not. But I think, I think we do like it. I think it is a dimension of life that is really, really special. So this message is called The Well-Built home. So I just decided to get out at least some different uh, building materials. Now this is just from two different lists. There's other lists we could have, but I just decided to show there's all sorts of different things that the world even tells us we should build into our life. And ironically, those things aren't necessarily the things that God wants to build into our lives. And so we have 2 Peter 1, 2 through 10, and we see a list, uh, oftentimes it's called the, the seven graces, but you'll notice eight in the list. That's because it says, add to your faith virtue, and then add to your virtue. And, and so that's why it's oftentimes called the seven graces, and then some people argue and call it the eight graces. I don't know that we want to get into that argument, as much as just cherish the list of eight things there up on the screen. Faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly love, and love, or agape. You see, this is how God is going to build uh, Philippians 4.8 talks about think on these things or meditate on these things. And so these are the same things that we're going to build our life with. And if we're going to build a home, which is different than just a house, it's a home, uh, we're going to build it with true things, noble things, just things, pure things, lovely things, and joyful things, that's, that's of good report, okay? So that's a hard one to say, and good report things. So I made it joyful things, I could have made it happy things, uh, virtuous things, praiseworthy things. I would just like us to freshly evaluate, almost like take inventory of what we are doing in our own life as if this is a house or a home, because it is, and in our marriages, in our families, are we emphasizing the right things? It's funny because we grow up in a culture, and it, the culture is morphing, okay? When I was growing up, it was a very performance-oriented culture, so the grades you get, like we were watching a uh, leave it to Beaver the other day, and Beaver was in big trouble because, you know, he got a low grade on his report card. And that's the culture I grew up in. I mean, it was a big deal what grades you had because your entire future hinged on your grades. Now it's sort of like you could drop out of school, start your own business, and make millions. You know, it's sort of like, wait, how does that work? That's not the grid that we grew up in. And it's interesting because it was an improper emphasis to start with. Your grades do matter. They have a certain matter because they show diligence. They show integrity. They show character. They, they, it is important to get good grades. and It's not to diminish that, right? Like, hey, I'm after bad grades, as if the opposite is true. 
It's just that it was an improper emphasis and it distorts values. So that when you're raising your child, you either give favor to your child because they get good grades or you give disfavor to your child because they get bad grades. And so you have one child over here that doesn't do very well in school and sort of is the misfit and sort of cast off. And the one who does really well in school is the prized one and the cherished one and they get all the extra attention. Bad idea. You want to build a good home, that's not how you do it. You see, there's different building materials that heaven has entrusted us, and that's what I want to just briefly go through. There's a scripture in Psalm 127, 1 through 5, which just sort of says it. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. So there's one word in here that really stirs me, and that's what I want to focus on. Unless. And I don't know if it haunts you. There's various scriptures in the Bible that uh, haunt in the most positive sense. It's like the Spirit of God sort of takes them and presses them. I never knew you. Oh, well, that's a haunting one. When Ananias and Sapphira fall over dead, that's a haunting one. It's like, whoa, they lied to the Holy Spirit, and then you immediately need to be inspected by the Holy Spirit yourself. In other words, it's not just descriptive. It's supposed to be impacting to you. It's the living word that is, yes, telling a real story in history, but it's meant to actually impact your life in the present moment. And so uh, to use the word haunt is maybe not the best word, but it's like that. It sort of follows you and it, it wants to get your attention unless the Lord builds the house. And so this idea of unless, let's just read it afresh. Psalm 127.1, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. You know, it's interesting because Psalm 127 is one of the most commonly associated psalms with parenting. And it's not always because of that statement. It's because children are a heritage of the Lord. You know, blessed is the man or happy is the man whose quiver is full of them. That's why, right? It's like, oh, what a great scripture about family and having a lot of kids. However, at the very beginning of it, we have a, a statement that I think is far more apropos for understanding family. And when you get into the father or mother role, this is a very, very significant thing. You see, I want to build a home. If you want to say it that way, I want to build a family that truly changes the world. I don't have a small vision for my home. I have a huge vision for my home. And then Psalm 127.1 creeps in and says, hey, Eric, Unless the Lord builds that, you would labor in vain. I want to watch over my kids. I want to see them preserved from the soot of this culture. I want them to be strong and set apart. And, and God says, <clears throat> unless the Lord is sort of watchman over this city, then you could do all that in vain. And that's a humbling, sobering thought that all of Eric's best efforts actually mean nothing if they are not harnessed or submitted under God's effort. My home, to truly be a home, needs to be entrusted. Now, I know this says house, unless the Lord builds the house. However, I'm going to take the same principle and we're going to apply it to a home. 
what is your source? And that's, I, I almost want to say that's a Nathan Johnson-esque sort of statement, even though I don't know that he has a patent on it, that I can't use it. But what is the source of your Christianity? And when it comes to family, what is the source of your parenting? What is the source of your marriage? Because a lot of us have a mentality. We know that God is the source of all things, and so we have good theology on that. But when it really comes to how we develop our communication, how we structure our home, how we plan out and what model we are, are building, what our disciplinary model is, what our education model is, what is the source of that? Because it's very easy for us to be Christians with good theology, knowing that all good things come from God, but still have our own wit, willpower, wisdom, and drive be the source of all of these things. And so what is the source? Because this is where the unless comes in. Unless the Lord is the one building that, unless the Lord is the one overseeing this, unless the Lord is the one putting it all together, this is going to be vain labor. Vain means empty, worthless. This will all be worthless. And I, believe it or not, I, it affects me. I do not want to get to the end of my life and find out that what I did was filthy rags that what I did was empty, that what I did was hollow. This is a lot of work being a dad. There's a lot of work in this. And the last thing I want to do is have it be empty. Now, I'm not a mom, so I can't speak from the mom side of things, but I could hazard a guess that there isn't a mom in here that wants to get to the end of things and have it all be empty and futile. In other words, I think moms and dads are built of the same stuff. In that regard, we have the same desires. Leslie and I talk about it a lot. We want our family to exhibit Jesus to the world. We want it to be shaped and molded into a gospel instrument, a gospel weapon. And that's the prayer that we pray over and over and over again, that our family would be used by the living God to shape the nations with the truth of Jesus Christ. And so, the key for us, for every dad and mom in here, but not just dads and moms, every child in here, is to recognize the unless. You could have a big vision, but unless God is the horseman on the back of that vision, you'd labor in vain. A great vision is, is a good thing. However, that vision must come under the rulership of something higher. It must be submitted to something greater. There is a power source. There is one that can make our heavenly dreams come true, and that is Jesus Christ. So unless our dreams, our ambitions come under his governance, we're not going to see them fulfilled. The hand and the glove. So I use this a lot in Ellerslie Discipleship. It's one of the key foundational illustrations. But if you were to liken yourself to a glove, it's a work glove, it's a nice glove, but it's made in the image of something. It's made in the image of a hand. And yet, you, if you just detach that glove from that hand, and we were to just you know, stare at the glove, which is us right here, and we were to say, what could that glove actually accomplish? Well, technically, the answer would be nothing apart from that hand. So the key is that this glove, unless it has the hand inside of it, 
it, all of its labor is going to be in vain because a glove apart from a hand is actually a rather humorous concept. To, to have a glove brag about what it can do in and of itself is almost embarrassing. However, the glove was designed on purpose and it has great value. And it was meant to slide upon that hand to exhibit in this natural realm something that is invisible. Imagine that hand is invisible. So if that hand was waving, no one would see it. But if you stick a visible hand on top of it and that hand is submitted, suddenly when that, that hand waves, you can see it. You see, the glove plays a very important role. It reveals the invisible. But just like all of what we desire in this world, we desire to reveal the invisible. And so unless you as a work glove slide onto that hand, you'll labor in vain. It would be worthless. It would be pointless. So as a result, what is the great meditation this morning? Let's remember how this is accomplished. Our lives desire to showcase Jesus. So how could that happen? 1 Thessalonians 5.24, faithful is he that calls you who also will do it. Now that he should be capitalized there, guys. Faithful is he, who is he? Well, that, that's Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calls you who also will do it. He has given you a grand vision. Now, some of us, you know, we're at this point where it's fresh vision. It's new vision. It's like anything's possible. It's like when you're first getting married and all the people around you are like, yeah, and most marriages end in divorce these days. Oh, yeah, the old ball and chain. And they're giving you all the wet blanket stuff. And you're like, no, I know he has called me. And you have this fresh vision to see him do something new in and through your life. That's good. That's good. Some of us are further along in that journey. And we need the fresh vision again to say, but God can still do that. God can still do it. In a world that has fallen to pieces, God can still reveal something grand. He will do it. Our job is to remember, we are not the source of something great in this world. He is. He is the only one that can actually make it happen. And so I want us to freshly take all our dreams, all our desires, all of the things we want to see happen, whether it's in our marriages, whether it's in our families, whether it's you know, for a specific child in our family, whether it's for a relationship, whether it's for our job, you could fill in the blank. There's a lot of different things that could go there. And I want you to just freshly set it in God's hands because that's where it has to be. It's like, take the glove and stick it on the hand. Let's make sure that God has his rightful place. This message was brought to you by the team at Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Listen to our weekend message live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings, or join us for Daily Thunder Monday through Friday at 8.15 a.m. For more information, go to live.ellerslie.com. We invite you to visit us at the beautiful Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado for a day, a week, or an entire season of gospel-centered spiritual training. Learn more at ellersley.com. Thanks for listening.